Indiana.com/tv. All Indiana politics is your premier source for Indiana politics, focusing on issues that matter to you. I still want us to be the best in the Midwest. We can't afford another lockdown. Give the citizens of this country the relief they need. Education in the state of Indiana remains priority number one. In-depth, nonpartisan coverage. We don't know exactly where the economy will be in January. People are worried with good reason. Exclusive interviews with Indiana's political leaders. We have the resources here in the state of Indiana to care for those who are in need. Expert analysis on critical legislation. We need to reform those laws. This recovery is going to take some time. We've got to anticipate that there'll be a budget shortfall. From Wish TV, this is All Indiana Politics Podcast on the All Indiana Podcast Network. Good morning, everyone. I'm Phil Sanchez. We begin All Indiana Politics this morning with the Indiana Republicans backing a push to have the Supreme Court overturn the presidential election results. You know the background by now. The Attorney General of Texas filing a suit asking the Supreme Court to take the unprecedented step of throwing out Joe Biden wins in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Now, some of Indiana's top Republicans have joined the push filing briefs with the Supreme Court. They are Senators Braun and Young, Representative Jim Banks, Jim Baird, Trey Hollingsworth, and Jackie Walorski, Attorney General Curtis Hill, and Attorney General-elect Todd Rokita. Our Brooke Martin is with the Attorney General-elect. All right, we welcome in Attorney General-elect Todd Rokita. Thanks for being with us. Oh, you bet. Great Want to, to start back. with how you're feeling. You tested positive for coronavirus shortly after the election. <laughs> it was on election day, actually. Election day. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, but we made it through the finish line and, yeah. and great to be back. And uh, thanks for everyone's uh, outpouring of support. It was mm-hmm. really humbling and, 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 and warmly felt. Uh, at the same time. So you, you feeling even, better now? Even those that didn't vote for me, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm feeling great. Good. Yeah, ready to go at it. Uh, the transition team is in place and we're working on hires uh, for the new administration at the Attorney General's office and we're already doing the work, some of the work of the Attorney General's office in terms of planning and what our priorities are gonna be, so we're looking forward to that. Good, good. Uh, I wanna change gears for a second and talk about the big story today. Uh, you want the U.S. Supreme Court to immediately hear te- uh, Texas's lawsuit that could potentially overturn the election results. Talk to us about that and and why you want that. Well, you know, I speak not only as the attorney general-elect, but also as a voter and also as Indiana's former chief election officer. And so it's very important that we get this right so that voters and taxpayers have the confidence they need in order to participate in their republic. And there's nothing more foundational than the right to vote. And the fact of the matter is, Indiana was negatively impacted by the actions of non-legislative actors in these other states. The Constitution, our U.S. Constitution is very clear that only the legislatures can set election laws. That wasn't done in four states. Uh, whether they were unelected bureaucrats, judges, or even uh, other state officers like Secretary of State who were not the legislature, went in and changed the laws at the last minute. Might have been well intended, we don't know. Uh, But the fact of the matter is it was unconstitutional and as a result, votes that shouldn't have been counted were and perhaps votes that weren't counted should have been. And so we need to really have the Supreme Court set this straight to make sure we have an accurate count, an accurate result, and that we can have confidence in our procedures. Would you call this election fraud? I mean, would you put that under that umbrella? Uh, There's certainly evidence of fraud. I think fraud goes to intent. 
and it's really hard at this point to read the minds and hearts of, of the people that were those non-legislative actors. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have to dig into that a little more. But the fact of the matter is, we don't, we, in a lot of ways, we don't even have to go there. It was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And the Constitution is there for a reason. We're either going to be people that follow the law, follow the Constitution, or we're going to be people that are ruled by unelected bureaucrats and judges. And it should be the former, not the latter. Do you believe that Donald Trump won this election? Um, I don't, it's hard to say. You know, it really is. I'm certainly a supporter of Donald Trump, so I want that out there. Uh, but again, as a chief election officer, former chief election officer, and as an attorney, and as an Indiana attorney general, we have to know that our processes work, and right now, we just don't. So, I, I mean, at what point would you believe that the election results are final? When every valid vote is counted, and every invalid vote is thrown out. Okay, and that's that's a hard road because well, it, judges have already. It, it's hard in the sense pieces. that there hasn't been a perfect. You're right. It, it, in terms of this, it's it, there hasn't been a perfect election since the beginning of time. Yeah. Right, because we're human. Right. And by biblical definition of the word, we're going to make honest mistakes. But when those mistakes happen, they have to be fair. Mm -hmm. That means they have to apply to all of us equally, just like the law has to apply to all of us equally. And inside those four states, some counties, Democrat-leaning ones. Voters were able to cure their ballots hours, days, uh, days after the election. Others, presumably in Republican counties, who followed the law weren't. And so it was unfair, the law was unfairly applied. That's the whole point. Is it a dangerous precedent to have one state challenge another state's laws? No, it happens. Okay. It happens. In fact, our founders knew it was going to happen. And so that's why they specifically put in our Constitution the fact that when that happens, when there's a controversy between states, you automatically go to the Supreme Court. It's called original jurisdiction. The Supreme Court takes up the case. Doesn't have to go to a trial court. Doesn't have to go to other lower courts. Right to the Supreme Court. Okay. I want to go back to coronavirus for a little bit okay. because Indiana is expected to receive the vaccine this yeah. month. Um, I want to talk about Indiana law. I think there's some confusion regarding can an employer mandate employees to get the vaccine? Well, it's a great question and one we are actually uh, dealing with in my in my day job at Apex Benefits, where we have several clients uh, that, that that are wondering the same thing. Um, there is federal regulatory guidance when it comes to flu shots and that kind of thing, but not really with regard to this kind of vaccine or this kind of situation where it's involved in a pandemic. So I think we're going to find the, uh, the the federal agencies involved, Department of Labor and others, come out with guidance for us on that. Right now, it's an open question. Um, I, and certainly if the General Assembly uh, takes up the issue, mm. I will advise them as their Attorney General and defend that law uh, you know, under our Constitution. I want to end with, um, if you're going to ask lawmakers come January uh, to change the governor's emergency powers. Uh, I think that our emergency declaration law has to be updated for pandemics like this. When, we, when the law was written shortly after 9-11, it was for tornadoes terrorist attacks, shorter things, uh, not something that's gone on for a year, maybe longer. And the fact of the matter is, under our federal and state constitutions, the, 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 the branch of government closest to the people is the legislative branch. Therefore, they at the very least need to be brought in a lot earlier to own the decision of what to do. That's accountability. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be made up, be left to one person. In fact, I think our governor would want something like that because then you could share the leadership you know, and that's hard leadership. He did a great job under very difficult circumstances. I'd like to see the General Assembly own some of that fan. I'm going like this because I want to say fan out around the state and help educate Hoosiers. Mm -hmm. you know, we pride ourselves on common sense, and I truly believe if we used it, 
after we were educated about, hey, this is why a mask is important, this is when it's needed, this is when it's not. Hey, grandma needs to really be looked after in terms of you know, how she's interacting and who's interacting with her and does she have a mask and all the things. Mm -hmm. um, we'd be much better off and we wouldn't even call it a mandate. We just call it edu government educating folks then allowing us as individuals to use our common sense. So as far as statewide mask mandate for 2021, no. I don't think it's necessary. I'm not the governor. Um, I would certainly make sure as attorney general that all the other legal options are on the table. Okay, attorney general-elect Todd Rakita, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Every business is unique and has a target audience. If you own or manage a business, Circulus Digital Media can help you connect and grow your customer base with turnkey digital solutions that are nimble, offering best-in-class results, service, and support to reach a bigger customer base, allowing you to pinpoint a specific audience down to the smallest details. Get outside the city, the state, span the globe. Put Circulus Digital Media to work for you. Get started now at CirculusDigital.com. That's CirculusDigital.com. Welcome back to All Indiana Politics. Let's look ahead to early next year when Indiana Democrats will have to choose a new leader. John Zodi, who has been party chair for more than six years, plans to leave that post. And among the publicly declared candidates is Carly Maser, who just finished serving eight years in the Indiana House of Representatives. Our Alexis Rogers is with her. Carly, it's nice to meet you virtually here. You're running to be the next chair of the Indiana Democratic Party. So what's the current state of the Democrats here in Indiana? Well, I think uh, it's really obvious we're at a critical juncture um, at this time um, here in the state of Indiana for Democrats. And um, certainly for the past decade, our state house has been dominated by a supermajority that has radically imposed destructive policies that have harmed Hoosier families and really eroded the idea of a fair playing field altogether. Um, I just I know in the past two election cycles alone, Democrats have, su have suffered major defeats while Republicans continue to build up that institutional power growing even more emboldened. Um, uh, and it's 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 it just allows them to continue to pass legislation that harms working class and marginalized Hoosiers. And I think for us, we are entering you know, a critical time for our party maybe one of the most critical times. Uh, as Republicans prepare to redraw, redraw the district lines, we know that our party is already at a disadvantage. Now more than ever, uh, we need to act with a sense of urgency to rebuild the momentum and uh, that has been lost along the way and not only win seats at the federal level and at the top of the ticket, but to take the majority in the state house and elect Democrats to local offices and so that we can pass policies that work for Hoosiers. I mean, that is, um, uh, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, we, we've got so much work to do and, and none of us are, are denying uh, the disadvantage that we're in today. And when it comes to some of those pretty tough elections, those tough races, the party just suffered one of its worst defeats in a gubernatorial campaign. How do you turn that around heading towards 2024? Yeah. Well, again, you know, it is, it comes down to, we know we need to have incredible candidates 
uh, uh, but most importantly, the fundraising piece. It, it is a huge part of, of any of the um, top tickets that we're working on. And just knowing that Democrats have, have fallen short in that area, we recognize that. But also, you know, the messaging that uh, we face that we must continue to walk through. There's a layered and layered and layered approach about how we do that. But it's a combination also of, you know, we've got to have more voter engagement. We've got to have um, certainly benchmarks to be able to not only get to, but ex to exceed a lot of accountability, but uh, taking this full responsibility. You've talked a lot about uh, your key message for the party, but also what do you want to see out of Democratic lawmakers when the General Assembly meets next month? Well, I got to tell you this, uh, this, this year, as somebody who has uh, just fresh out of this seat, um, just cleaned my office a few weeks ago, really, uh, there is it's just a completely different time of what we're going to be dealing with. Uh, looking ahead, we know that COVID has made impacts on a variety of things, um, and there is a lot that we must pay attention to. Most importantly, we've got to make sure that we focus on the lives of the people in this state and that they have all the tools and resources that they need at this time. We need to look at what we're doing for our business communities and uh, certainly all of the, the small businesses in the work that is being put into, I mean, just making sure we're doing everything we can and above to be able to support our communities to get to, to, to be able to move forward. Certainly, I would also add, are we ever going to pay teachers? I know it's a critical time, but, you know, teacher pay, but just focusing on public education and the uh, it being eroded, uh, certainly the environment, but the racial injustices that we faced as well, you know, across the state and nation over this past year. I think there's a variety of things, and I look forward to the governor and my friends across the aisle to step up on um, these policies as well as I do expect in the House and the Senate, you know, for them to stay focused on the working families and our policies all surround the making sure that people have the tools and resources to take responsibility. Before I let you go, you talked a lot about how you feel like your party can build up from the ground level and the community level of the folks that are involved with that. But also, what do you want to see out of new Democratic candidates with all of those things in mind? Yeah. What do I want to see in new Democrat candidates? I want to see them have the, the look in their eye that they know that not only are they out there uh, working because they believe in the policies that they stand for, but that they also know that there is a plan moving forward for them to not only do the work, work across the aisle, stand up for the, what they believe in, but also to know that their policies are going to be in place. I want to make sure that moving forward, that anytime Democrats are weary, that they know that there is a plan for us moving forward, that we cannot just continue to throw darts and expect things to uh, stick on occasion. But I am looking forward to sharing mentorship with our, our candidates, but also being there, being uh, a, a available for uh, the, the support, the resources, the tools, and um, just uh, to, to see Democrats on the, on the stage, the excellence, the hard work, and of course, uh, the policies that we stand for. But I'm extremely excited to um, lift up and stand stand alongside everyone as we move forward together. And it is really, truly with excitement that I get to see us um, all working together. But I believe that action speaks so much louder than words. And I look forward to uh, I look forward to the day that we get to see a lot more of that for Democrats across the state. Carly Maser, thank you so much for joining us.
Ladies, thank you very much. So uh, what is the lasting impact of Indiana's support of the Texas election lawsuit? Our political experts weigh in next on All Indiana Politics. And welcome back to All Indiana Politics as we welcome back Democrat Laura Beck and Republican Pete Seaton. Pete, we'll start with you. We'll talk about this Texas lawsuit. In your opinion, why would Indiana leaders, including the attorney general, want to put their name on this? Uh, it's a lawsuit that a lot of legal scholars have been trashing. Well, one, because they're hearing from their constituents. Uh, I've spoken to uh, Republican House staff members. Their offices are being inundated with phone calls from Hoosier constituents demanding that they join this Texas lawsuit. But look, it was ultimately a foregone conclusion that the Supreme Court was going to be asked to weigh in on this. It is their job to adjudicate questions of constitutionality. And hopefully, regardless of what they decide, this will bring some clarity and closure to this election outcome. So, Laura, I want to bring you in here real quick. Is this suit about, in your opinion, changing the outcome, appeasing the president, or allowing Donald Trump to raise a huge amount of money in his final weeks in office? So I think it's about all of those things, um, frankly. And uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, that that can be said about this um, and just how absolutely inappropriate it is. Uh, if you don't like the the outcome of the election, you know, you're just going to try and change the rules. What I what I find so disappointing, um, especially with these uh, Indiana members of Congress who have signed on to this lawsuit, is that uh, our own governor this week said uh, Indiana is on fire. And people are really hurting in our state. They're unemployed. Um, there's no federal money coming to us yet, right? Because there's been such an impasse over the stimulus. And rather than these folks actually do their jobs and focus on how they help people back home, they're playing these petty reindeer games um, that really just uh, infuriate people. They embolden people. Um, and they tear us apart at a time when our country really does need to come together. In your opinion, Laura, are there long-term negative uh, effects from this? Well, I don't necessarily know if there'll be long-term negative effects from them politically, uh, but what it does is it really permanently lumps them into this One America News, News Mask, uh, News Mask, Mask, I'm sorry, Max, um, QAnon uh, group, where we just really don't trust facts and we don't trust truth. Um, for example, if Democrat, if a if the Democrats did this, these legislators and these Congress members of Congress would be screaming, they'd be up in arms. Um, so it just sets some really dangerous precedents, and frankly, it doesn't really uh, make them look that good. Pete, same question. Well, I, I find Laura's response hilarious because you've got the Washington Post and other national outlets literally chasing down members of the United States Senate and United States House of Representatives in the hallways of Congress to find out what they think about the latest tweet from the president instead of focusing on the coronavirus aid package that we desperately need to get passed. So if we're going to use her example, I mean, let's look to Washington. Distractions are all they do in D.C., and that's why we can't get what we need done done. Well, Pete, let's. But, I mean, but just Go going ahead, back Lauren. to Pete's point, though. Yeah. I mean, just going back to Pete's point. I mean, look, I think that um, Pete and I both could probably agree. Frankly, um, the Democrats and the Republicans, and I'm saying the Democrats as well, um, they need to work. They need to find a way to work with the Republicans to get this done. I, I don't necessarily think that we need to hunker back into our corners, but we've got to find some relief because these businesses, um, these local governments, people are really hurting, and we're going to see a lot of folks go out of business because they're just not going to be able to to sustain us. And you guys took the conversation there, so let's stay there for, for a moment. <laughs> who, who really is at fault here, Pete? 
Well, I, I think both sides are trying to make the perfect the enemy of the good. There is a lot mm -hmm. of agreement when it comes to coronavirus aid, uh, particularly when it comes to relief for small businesses that are hurting. But you've got Democrats that want to bail out uh, blue states that were already in financial trouble. And Republicans really want to see liability protections for businesses, schools, and universities. And that's, those are the sticking points. So instead of focusing on where they agree, they're spending all their time on the sticking points, which is delaying what we need to happen. 30 seconds, Laura, your thoughts? I just, I think we need to figure something out. I mean, blaming things on, on blue states is, is silly because coronavirus is, is, is um, running rampant throughout the entire country. So that argument right now is a little bit moot. But at the same time, I do understand why people are worried about the liability insurance. But from the other perspective, I understand why folks want liability insurance. So we have to move away from this either or and find a way to get to all of the above. Because again, you've got people who can't pay their rent can't pay their mortgages and are going out of business. Yeah, we'll have to leave it right there. Let's just get something done. Pete, Laura, always good to see you. Thank you. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us for All Indiana Politics. A reminder, the Electoral College meets tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Indiana will cast its 11 votes for Donald Trump. You can watch it live on wishtv.com. And we'll be back here next weekend with Republican Party Chairman Kyle Hupfer. Have a great week. From Wish TV, this is All Indiana Politics Podcast on the All Indiana Podcast Network. Watch All Indiana Politics live Sunday mornings at 930 on Wish TV and at wishtv.com. Subscribe to this podcast and listen weekly here on the All Indiana Podcast Network. And be sure to discover even more great podcasts at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.